Welcome along to the Slacktivist Action Group. Nigel Farage is back. He's like the herpes virus, isn't he? Don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen, I love this country. It is my favourite country in the world, and I will tell you why it's my favourite country in the world. It is where all my friends are, it is where my family is, and I can't speak any other language. <laughs> I love this country, but it doesn't mean you can't slag it off, does it? Self-deprecation is a very British trait. So slagging Britain off, it shouldn't be seen as unpatriotic. It should be seen as a shining beacon of Britishness. Because let's face it, only in Britain would we have produced a book called Crap Towns and then had to produce another book called Crap Towns 2 because too many British people had written in complaining that their town hadn't made the first book. But when you see people in the street with a Union Jack wrapped round them, they don't tend to be, do they? Shiny examples of Britishness, they tend to be the thugs and the hooligans. Now, we shouldn't let them appropriate our flag because they aren't very representative of Britain. Because let's face it, we're a tolerant nation. If you think about it, we beheaded one king, but then we felt a bit guilty about that, didn't we? We gave everybody the vote, but we let the poshies keep the House of Lords. We're not even very good at broadband revolutions, are we? The digital revolution. We've got 93% broadband coverage, but only if you sat near a window and there's nobody else using it. <laughs> So we need to, don't we? Think about these things when it comes to being patriotic. I don't believe that we couldn't have a new national anthem, one that everybody could get involved with. If you think about the current one, first line, God save our gracious queen. If you think about that, if you're either an atheist or a Republican, you're already out. Then the second line, long live. You're thinking she's 90 already. We don't want her to go on forever, do we? We don't want her turning up on some state visit, suddenly forgetting where she is, yeah, taking her clothes off for no reason, going, who am I again? And then you think about it, don't you? And you think, well, what's the next line? Yeah, send her victorious. She doesn't go into battle anymore. The only thing she does which seems to involve victory, as far as I can see, is actually betting on the horses. We shouldn't be encouraging her gambling, should we? A third of all gamblers are problem gamblers. And there are some examples, it seems to me, that show that Her Majesty may well be one of them. She's had to let visitors into Buckingham Palace. She's sold off the Royal Yacht Britannia. Let's face it, even the fire at Windsor Castle is now looking like a classic insurance job, isn't it? <laughs> With that, would you please welcome our three guests for tonight, Vince Cable, Hadley Freeman, and Russell Howards. Welcome. This is the Slacktivist Action Group. This is the panel. We were going to start off with something that we were slack about. Russell, would you like to offer something to the group to make us bond that we're not all perfect human beings? Uh, we, I have to, we have to bond, shit. Yeah. Um, things that um, I'm slack about. I'm, I'm not very good at not getting wound up about things that don't matter. Like this week, I got pissed off with the spelling of the word chihuahua. Um, chihuahua, it's bullshit, isn't it? But it doesn't really matter. Or losing your temper at someone like... I saw uh, a lady the other day, her dog had just... Uh, done a shit and she picked it up wrapped it and then put it down again in this, and it just drove me insane like for the rest of the day I was just seething again doesn't help 
No. Personalised just... number plates, that's another one. You must just scribble the word cunt on your bonnet. Again, <laughs> doesn't help me. I should be worrying about things that matter, but oh no. It is a very weird thing is to pick up a shit but, and then put it back down again. It's like one of those things where you put it on somebody's doorstep and you set light to it and they come up and, and start stamping on <laughs> the shit that's been set light to. But yeah, little things really. And also, I'm not very good, I'm very slack at sort of telling my family I love them as well. Like my granddad passed away last week and I should have seen him more in the last two weeks. But, you know, I was chasing ladies who wouldn't pick up dog shit. So, I'm not going to mention that in the eulogy. That'll be fairly weird. <laughs> well, let's hope you make it to the actual funeral, depending on Jesus what Jesus Christ, what kind of threat is that? <laughs> well, I was just, just thinking... There's a couple of anecdotes at the beginning. You know, they weren't world beaters. They're just things I think about. Now you're threatening to kill me, Andy. Well, I was just thinking, if you're on the way to the funeral, you come across a chihuahua, you may never make it. <laughs> True. Social interaction is something that, that could work better. I was in a corner shop recently, and a lady walks in with a rucksack. And she actually she walked straight up to me, and she said, uh, would you like an ice cream? Would that make you happy? And I said, well, that's very kind of you, very kind of you to offer, but I'm absolutely fine. And at that moment, she turned sort of 90 degrees to one side, had a small child in the back of the rucksack. <laughs> and she goes, I was talking to him. <laughs> But presumably the baby was looking at your face going, how has he got a beard? Yeah, that's it. Because <laughs> you've got a lovely baby-like face. Yeah, no, that's it. The babies, they just stare at me. Yeah. Very rude. <laughs> he must be the wisest of all of us. <laughs> that's why he gets offered ice creams by people who aren't his mummy. What about you, Hedley? What, what would you like to offer? Um, I'm really slack about emailing back friends who I genuinely care about, which is ridiculous. There must be a German word for this, where I'm really great on emailing back work stuff and people, and it don't matter when you just have to do one line. But when it's a friend, you think, oh, no, wait a minute, I want to do, like, five paragraphs, I need to fill them in on everything and show them how much I love them, and the end result is I don't email them back at all. And I feel like... There, what's the German word for that? Like Schadenfreudenhoiden? So it's like, it looks like you don't care about your friends because you never email them back. But you don't. in comparison to what Russell gets up to, that's nothing, is it? <laughs> I, wish, I also wish I was more slack at self-deprecation. This is how I know I've lived in this country for too long. Because like, as soon as anyone gives me a compliment, like, oh, that's a nice jumper you're wearing. I'm like, oh, this old thing is disgusting. I picked up dog shit in it and then I put it back on the plate. At least you picked it up. <laughs> <laughs> not like, not with the shirt. <laughs> It's like if someone does that, if you do that, it's like you've taken, they've given you a present and you've just thrown it back in their face. No, it's I the think, rudest I th thing in the no, world. No, no, I think you're right there. That, to self-deprecate. Yeah, the there's nothing worse than so that's a lovely jumper. And you know, like, thank you. Which is <laughs> what your people sometimes do. It, it just, is what my people do. It, it makes the world feel sick. So <laughs> it's good that you've learned how to be. Because I, I went to watch um, an MLS game, uh, the first game that Steven Gerrard played. And I don't know if you've been to a football game in this country, it's pretty full on. Um, but when they score in the MLS, they kind of go, the goal scorer, Robbie! And the crowd go, Keen, Robbie! And the crowd go, Keen, Robbie! And the crowd go, Keen! And then the announcer goes, thank you. And you get 25,000 people who are just going, you're welcome. <laughs> and you can feel all the English people in the crowd go, <laughs> Including Stephen Gerrard, who's like, oh, <laughs> So let's come to you, Vince. What would you like to offer? Well, after 60 years, I'm still slack about shaving. I leave trails of, you know, little bits of paper with red on it all over. And I've been trying all those decades. It, it was something I learned from my dad, actually, because I've got this childhood memory of my dad with this leather strap. Was, maybe not your generation, but... 
and you've I, had this it's, open it's not ringing any bells at the moment, I'll be honest. And, and, you know, There's a German name for that and all. Getting going with, it, with an open razor, and then he used to go around all day with little bits of paper on his face. <laughs> and I, that was one of my few memories now of a childhood. Mm. So I've, I've kept up the tradition. You're not tempted to go electric? I did try, and it, it left me with a beard like yours. So. <laughs> <laughs> Are you suggesting that I've tried to shave it all off, but every now and again I miss exactly the same bit every day? <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about... Uh, you've you presumably had a fairly busy couple of weeks, Vince, uh, with uh, various uh, people trying to get you to stand in the, the Richmond by-election, Zach Goldsmith uh, sort of standing down so as he can stand again. You were in Twickenham, obviously next door. Some talk that possibly on Twitter you didn't fancy going south of the river this time of year. Yeah, it's for... a faraway place of which we know little. Talk us through what, what's happened in the last week and what, what your plans are. Well, I still dabble in politics, and I'll be dabbling in that one. But, um, I mean, it's not really a proper by-election. I mean, it's a bit of an ego trip, isn't it? You've got a billionaire wants to, you know, show how you know, rich he is, throwing <laughs> half a million quid at this. And, uh, but I think we're going we're gonna to catch him out, actually, because what people really care about there are things like Brexit mm -hmm. and the kind of campaign he ran against the Mayor of London. So it may turn out to be much more competitive. And in terms of the, the Heathrow decision, you know, people getting very excited that the, this third runway will be going across the M25, mm. and people saying, oh, well, it'll be distracting to drivers on the M25, but not at the pace you go round the M25 <laughs> on that particular... You could basically get out, do a bit of plane spotting, get back in your car and move a foot do it all over again, can you? Well, it's worse than that, isn't it? Because the runway comes across the M25 and they're, I think, trying to work out whether to dig under the runway or build a bridge over it. And somebody explained to me that how do you take off an aircraft when you've got to get under a, a bridge? So there's all kind of problems of this kind being generated on the M25. <laughs> Who and explained this, that the to important you? <laughs> the most important motorway in Britain is going to be completely frozen for five years so they work out how to get the airport around it. Sounds like you got cornered at a dinner party. You're telling me, I'm, just, I'm just after a bit of cash, mate. <laughs> so obviously you're, you're an economist, that's what you were for years. Oh. We had Michael Gove saying people have had enough of experts. You were an expert economist. Surely the whole idea of any job is to try and become good at it. If you're a shell stacker, it's important to get good at it. You know, have you stacked those shells yet? Well, I put them on their side, but they keep on rolling away. <laughs> we want experts, surely. Well, I used to sit around the cabinet table with him, and he was always in favour of experts then. <laughs> you remember all these changes in schools? Mm. It was all experts, experts, experts. But then something came up he didn't agree with, and the experts got the boot. And in terms of the, the public are just getting on board what the economic implications of Brexit will be. Nothing seemed to galvanise the British public until they actually found out that Marmite not, might not be available and they'd have to put up with Vegemite and this idea of foreign yeast extract coming over here <laughs> with their celery and their onion. If I want to have concentrated yeast extract, I want to make sure that it's made from genuine British leftover beer slop. That's what I want. Yeah. Because what's really going to upset them is petrol, because that's going to go up like nothing when, once the exchange rate continues to fall, as it will. In fact, that's what's going to happen the next few years, exchange rate going down and down and down and down. And what will happen then is that it's much cheaper to come to Britain, so we're going to get lots of foreigners coming here, speaking foreign languages on buses, <laughs> and uh, that will be the outcome of Brexit. Well... <laughs> 
in terms of immigration, it was interesting, wasn't it? Because they, they analysed it, and it basically the, the places where there were least immigrants in Britain seemed to be the places that were most against immigration. The places which there were a lot of immigration already seemed to be much more okay with immigration. So surely by that argument, it wasn't that we had too much immigration, it's just we hadn't spread it around quite enough. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Cornwall. Anybody who came from Devon, we regarded them as an immigrant. <laughs> we, we had one bloke across the road who was known as the Traveller because he'd once been up to London by train. <laughs> Well, there is a kind of iron law, I think. It is inversely related to how many people are there. I, I did a lot of meetings during the referendum campaign, and I think my favourite was somewhere in the New Forest. You know, there's a place called New Milton. I think most oh, people it's lovely are around there. Older, older than me. And uh, they all came into this meet, about 400 of them carrying their daily mails. And the best question I got in the evening is that there's 80 million Turks going to come and live in the New Forest. Where are we going to put them? <laughs> and that was what was really getting them going. And Hadley, you, you've obviously, you're an American who's been over here for years and years. Mm. Have you felt less welcome recently or are you just pleased that you're not in America at the moment? <laughs> it is a bit of a rock and a hard place. I feel like I've, my two citizenships are both kind of letting me down at the moment. Um, I don't feel unwelcome. I mean, I'm not the image, when people say immigrant, I'm not the immigrant I don't think that they're imagining. Let's be honest, when, when some people are getting angry about immigrants, they're talking either about Polish builders who they think are stealing all the jobs or people from Syria or people from outside, in fact, Europe, which Brexit isn't necessarily going to help. So I haven't, I haven't been you know, shouted at in the street as far as I've noticed yet. The bizarre thing that's happened in the last week or so is there's been various talk about we may, if we want to maintain access to the single market, we may have to pay the EU some money. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that wasn't going to have looked too good on the side of a bus if that was part of the election campaign, you know. We give the EU 350 million a week, let's leave and keep on giving them some money. That wouldn't, that wouldn't have worked too well. That's right, no, it's, and it's going to be a, a lot of money because we've got to pay people for the right to continue to sell our cars. I mean, we've discovered in the last few days all those Nissans, mm. and the government's going to compensate them if it costs a penny more. And all that money that was going to come into the health service, well, I think, forget it. And you, you obviously, you wrote a book called The Storm. Yeah. Then you've written a more recent book, called After the Storm. Yeah. Are you now thinking that, the, given that the pound has gone down by 20% or whatever. After, after the storm. Well, that's it, or it's pissing it down, or, you know, <laughs> a more populist version. What, there is a book to be written. There is a book to be written, yeah. I got the wrong metaphor. I think I should have had a... It, actually, it's more like a heart attack, what's happened to the economy and the banking crisis. But a storm's a bit weak, I think, so I, I'm going to re, redo it with medical metaphors. Interestingly, Philip Hammond was saying what's going to happen to the economy is he, he's going to get the deficit down, but he's not going to get it down given any particular thing, and he's also going to intervene in the economy, very much Ed Balls's policy at the last election. I mean, Ed Balls must have heard this, everybody slagging off, couldn't be trusted with the economy, and now he was trusted so much, the Conservatives adopting his policy. He'll have popped some sequins when he, when he heard that, <laughs> won't he? <laughs> Yeah, he was right, actually. The, the Labour government may have made quite a few mistakes and Ed Balls, but they didn't run, run up a massive deficit. I mean, that wasn't the problem, and yet they've been damned in history for what they did. So in terms of people interested about whether there will be a second referendum, obviously one of the things... Tim Farron has said that he thinks there should be a second referendum. You yourself were sceptical about yeah. this. The thing is, if we, 
take two years to negotiate the deal, by that stage we won't have any time to have a second referendum. It won't be a referendum about staying in. It'll be actually a referendum on please can we come back in, won't it? So it yeah, well, it, it, I've fallen out with him over this. I mean, the problem with the second referendum is if, you know, we win, you know, Remainers, then the Brexit people will want a third referendum, and if they then win it, we want a fourth, and you just go on and on and on. I mean, it's neverendum is the, the phrase, and it's not a great way to run the country. No, I mean, Nick Clegg had an interesting way of going about it. He said it wasn't a second referendum, it was merely a first referendum on the terms of leaving the EU. So by that logic, he never sort of uh, reversed his decision to abolish tuition fees. It was just his first decision to increase tuition fees. That was essentially what he was doing. Yeah, and a good thing to have done, too. Yeah, I was yeah. responsible. I put my hands up. What, for the tuition fees? or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that actually turned out sensibly. You know, universities have got lots of money and uh, lots of working-class kids are now going to university because they realise it isn't really debt. It's not like a mortgage, because if you have a low income, you don't need to pay anything. It's a kind of graduate tax, and it's quite a sensible system. I apologize for a lot of things, but not for that. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's move on to the American election. Hadley, you, I believe, have a vote. I so do. I how, do. How, how did you work out with that? <laughs> it was not a very difficult one to work out. I voted about a month ago. I, did vo- I didn't vote for Trump. You'll be amazed now. I voted for Hillary Clinton. She's struggling at the moment with the emails. Oh, my God. The emails. I mean, I'm so bored of these stupid emails. I mean, on the one hand, you have a woman, a, a you know, 69-year-old woman who used the wrong server. And on the other hand, you have a man who plays to white supremacists who may have sexually assaulted over 10 women, who doesn't have any political experience, who talks about building walls against Mexico. I mean, David Sedaris, who's this amazing com- um, comic writer, wrote in The New Yorker last week, it's as though the people who are undecided, it's like they're on an airplane and they're offered two dishes. And the stewardess says, okay, you can have the chicken or you can have a plate of shit covered in glass. And, and the undecideds are like, 
how's the chicken done? I mean, that, that's basically what it is. It's like, it's so obvious. I can't even believe it's so close. I apologize to all of you on behalf of, the, of my country that you're having to witness this. It is so embarrassing. It's hard to convey how embarrassing this is to Britons. It's as if Piers Morgan was suddenly about to be prime minister and had become a fascist. Like, that's what this is like, watching Donald Trump. Well, and the thing about Trump is he's basically contradicted Everything he's, he's ever said, ever isn't said, he? Ever and said, and he is care. basically the political equivalent of the musician Shaggy, as far as I can. <laughs> you can imagine him there, can't you? In a nuclear bunker, every button pressed, images of the world destroyed on all the monitors. Somebody breaks in, and he just goes, "It wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I touched nothing. I've always said nuclear war was a bad idea." <laughs> And the thing is, it won't even trouble him if he doesn't become president, mm. because in a year's time, he'll actually deny ever having stood for president to. in the first place. Exactly, exactly. Well, he's already kind of doing that. He's already kind of saying that, the, you know, that he's going to have Trump TV, that this is about a movement. You know, what he likes is, in a slightly Corbyn-esque way, he likes going to rallies where his fans are and getting geared up and everyone cheering him. I mean, I don't believe that he is interested in actual governing. But he I, is going to win, though, isn't he? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I mean, but I mean, what do I know? I mean, I thought Brexit wouldn't win. But at the moment, the most reliable... But you... I mean, Vince, let's face it, you thought tuition fees was a good idea. So... <laughs> <laughs> at the moment, the most reliable pollster, Nate Silver, still says that Hillary will win. Uh, but the fact that it's so close is so galling and scary, but also galling. Yeah, I mean, he, he is, isn't he? he, oh, is, he I mean, but it's just bullshit excuses. You know, everything he's accused of, it's just a bullshit excuse. He is the archetypal man, turns up an A&E with a sort of loo brush up his arse, isn't it? And he goes, oh, no, no, you know, I just used the toilet late at night, I didn't want to turn the light on, and I just went to sit down. Could have happened to anybody. So, someone described Trump as basically the comment section underneath any article. I mean, that's what it is. Just like random shouting, I'm angry, I don't know why. I mean, that's all it is. It's unbelievable that someone with so little policy experience, knowledge, etc., etc., is it's this close. He's come this far as well. Oh my God, true, it's, so yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so humiliating. But can you imagine what it must be like in the Bush family right now? I mean, Jeb Bush must just be looking to his cousin Billy. I mean, like. Could you not have told me about that tape yeah. a year ago and we'd have knocked him out and then Jeb Bush would have won this election. Yeah. As it is, it's now Trump versus Clinton. Well, in terms of that tape, justifying it as locker room locker talk. Room talk. No, and exactly, yeah. That's the amazing thing, isn't it? Like, I, I, have, you, have you ever spoken like that in a locker? How weird would it be if you're at the gym, you're like, oh, mate, I like uh, grabbing ladies by the fanny. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Do you know what I mean, mate? Pretty weird. And locker room chat. I'm just chatting. The only thing you, the only thing you ever say in a locker room is, "Excuse me, you're, you're next to my locker. Can you move?" <laughs> That's it. The otherwise is utter silence, and you desperately try not to look at each other's dicks. That's all you do. But as if if somebody said that, you know, and then all the other blokes in the dressing room go, "Oh, good on you, mate. <laughs> yeah. Well done." <laughs> Well it's, done. You're a credit to the male species. <laughs> you are. Yeah. You should run for the highest land in the office. You should. But it's, it's grab them. You don't don't grab them. Pussies are not like biscuits. Never grab. If you behave yourself, pretty soon it'll be offered. <laughs> if my dear Nan always said today. to me. <laughs>
But what would it be brilliant, wouldn't it? Is if Billy Bush, instead of laughing along, yeah. had suddenly gone, oh, well, that's very interesting, grabbed him by the cock and gone, I actually <laughs> quite like a bit of man on man, yeah. tried to kiss him, you know you want it, don't you? I think, luckily, that'll never, you'll never hear that kind of chat in the locker room in England because English, that's when you know you're English, you can't really say pussy. It's just one of those, it's just a word, it just feels like, I couldn't even say it then, it just feels wrong to say it, but you know, you can't say front bottom either, that's going too far. Um, That's because in England the equivalent is fanny, Yeah. whereas in America fanny means... But fanny's like, hey, come in there, do you want to point my liver? You know, so, oh, there's fanny, she's harmless, but pussy, she sounds frightening. (laughs) Some of your Bristol memories coming back now, I noticed. That I was in America, actually. Well, uh, I was going to ask, because you, you've been there, you've been filming USA Road Trip. Yes. You've was... been interviewing alien abductees yep. and various doomsday cultists. Yeah. I'm guessing a few of those may have been Trump supporters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> massively, yeah. It was extraordinary. We spent a lot of time in uh, various uh, pubs in, in America talking to lunatics. It was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> That's when you know you're English, when you hear somebody drop a pint in a bar and you're the only one that cheers. <laughs> you kind of go... <laughs> um, it was just me and my mum went no. um, but yeah, it was, we went to this, this group there was a lady and she had 15 alien babies and um, there was a group of them that, it was like a Friday night they had a chat about various things that happened when they'd been taken up to the ship and they all had kind of crazy stories there's one lady that kept being taken back to alien school and she hated school the first time so she really detested this and there was a little lady that had been given... She was so funny, she'd be given the ability to know what you wanted. That was her gift that the aliens had given to her. So I said, what do you mean? She's like, so I could look at you and go, he wants avocado. And I'm kind of going, That's a pretty weird gift. I know. And there was another man who didn't want to be on camera, and there was one bloke, and he was the saddest because he was there. And I said, what's your story? And he said, oh, I've never been taken by the aliens, but I really want to go. But... <laughs> They're just not interested. <laughs> it was so heartbreaking. Oh. I was like, is there anything you can do? You go, I've tried everything. I just don't think they like me. So it's kind of heartbreaking, but it's kind well, of Well, you tend to go back the next night and abduct him <laughs> yeah. in a green mask oh. just to make his day. Yeah, we should have done that. That would have been a bloody good end to the episode. <laughs> yeah. Hillary Clinton, she is judged in a different way than a lot of candidates in the past, yeah. in the sense that she says she's not allowed to use her arms. They've been yeah. told to keep her arms down. She can't pump Cheer, her fist. She can't shout. Because it's, apparently it's off-putting to male voters who are threatened by it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this, people say, oh, it's because she's so shifty. It's because of these emails. It's because, you know, they now earn so much money through the Clinton Foundation. It's gross. But the truth is, like, I was alive in the 90s and living in America, and people hated her so much then. They've hated her yeah. from the beginning. They hated her in the 2000s as when she was you know senator of New York and they hate her now they just hate her because she's this high powered smart woman and she's smarter than all the men in the room but I hope when she does win unlike Vince thinks she's going to lose but when she does win it'd be brilliant raise her arms together you know make sure she raises both arms this one will be awkward (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is like even if she wins she's going to kind of lose because Obama okay so Obama becomes president in America and has racism gone away not really. If anything, it's kind of gotten worse, which has led to Trump. So you think, okay, well, Hillary Clinton should be president. Is sexism going to go away? 
I don't think so. I think in a lot of ways, it's going to get worse because there are a lot of men out there who don't want to be bossed around by a woman who reminds them of their ex-wife or their mother or whatever Freudian fucking issues they have. Like, that's, this is going to be the but problem. But wouldn't, wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you love her to say all that on camera? She has kind of said it. She's kind of said it. I mean, she gave that interview, which was so great. About but I mean, but I mean like that. That's oh, what like I literally always, swearing. Like, like, I just properly, did accidentally. Like, <laughs> I remember that years ago when there was all that stuff about Gordon Brown in the debates mm. and he wasn't very good at looking the, at the camera and he was a bit awkward in his joys to do that mm. thing if he owned it and just went yeah my face is fucked this is just what happens <laughs> if you ever got one of those problems I can't help it that's just what happens but I really care and I've got some things I want to talk about we in people go yeah because we like being spoken to and like yeah. if, she, if she has that searing intellect within her it's all this bullshit about kind of go oh you're not allowed to move your arms and don't move your feet. Don't smile. It must be so awkward. She might, yeah, she might be able to do it when she's in. Once Obama got in, he was great. able to do like you know, playing black music in the White House. Whereas before, when he was running, he was kind of having to play down the fact that he is African American slightly. The is fact- that right? <laughs> oh, that is insane. You know, he, he's allowed to you know sit. We're you know, checking his Spotify. I, I mean, honestly, really? like he's he's allowed to actually have black music on his playlist. He's allowed to play play black music in the White House at parties. So Hillary may well do it. She is like a lifelong feminist but yeah. she has to just kind of pretend she's not she just happens to be a woman in a pants she's, she's had to answer questions that no man would have to answer but also look at the look at the race I mean so she is the most qualified candidate in a generation she's running against a man whose experience is selling mail order steaks on TV and hosting a reality TV show like would a woman with that little experience get this far I mean it, it's, it's actually unimaginable but there's yeah. a thing about people being very well qualified being hated there's that somebody's explain all this, that Trump's like that guy who sits at the back row in school and belches and does all disgusting things and puts little ink spots all over people's backs and pulls Mm. the girl's pigtails and is just disgusting. And she sits on the front row and does the homework on time and the rest of the class loathe her because... She's clever. Yeah. But it's that, you know, she gets compared to Tracy Flick, you know, the fictional character from Election, you know, the little swat at the front of the yeah. class. Yeah. But that's just because she's a woman. I mean, Bill Clinton was extremely smart. Yeah. He knew everything. He knew all the policy. No one's going, eh, I hate him. Like, they're all going, oh, he's really smart. You know, he's really cool. But, but it's so weird she becomes that one-dimensional. You know, um, she just she's just Tracy Flick. Yeah. It's, and she also, looks like she's trying too hard. She's trying too hard. She's boring. She's not fun. It's like she's actually really smart and she knows what she's doing. And she's had to answer questions, defend like, her husband's infidelities. And, and that she hasn't murdered someone. Which is, you know, these are the questions people have asked her for 30 years. Did you murder your best friend Vince Foster? Did you try to, you know, shame Monica Lewinsky? Did you, did you threaten the woman who accuses your husband of rape? It's like, of course, she did not do this. I mean, there is no one more investigated in America than Hillary Clinton. Everyone's like, oh, there's dark stuff there. It's like, if there was dark stuff, that would have come out 30 years Some ago. Some of the talk radio is amazing when you travel oh around my the God. States. So I heard one Alex Jones says, said that she's literally Satan. Quote, unquote. <laughs> was, I heard this one guy say she, she couldn't control her man, so how could she control the country? And you're like, like, how, but it, it's that insane thing of like, how is that, like, like Bill Clinton is a sexual lunatic. Like, he, put a cigar up a lady's vagina. I mean, that's, if I caught my dad doing that, my first thought wouldn't be, fuck's sake, mum. Mm. You know, we'd, we'd be like, we'd be like, dad, what are you doing? Like, it, it seems weird to blame her. And you know? now, and you, now you'd look save what... it for the locker room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
and, and now but look you know what I mean? Like, exactly, but now look what's happening. So she's been criticized for her husband cheating on her for the past 25 years, and now the new email thing has all come out of Anthony Weiner, who is this ridiculous American politician who was caught sexting women about 17 times now, and his computer was taken in by the FBI because he was sexting with a 15-year-old. Nice. And Hillary's aide had used it for email. So she is once again being brought down by some man not able to keep his pants zipped. Like, on both sides. That's the only thing people can criticize for. She used the wrong email server. I'm going to let that pass when the option is Donald Trump. But the fact that she's being brought, uh, criticized on both sides for some man just taking his dick out all the time, either her husband or her aide's husband, is absurd. <laughs> Right on. And that was the selectivist action group were motivated, ladies and gentlemen. That was the most deliciously British round of applause. Just like, you're like, yeah, I agree. And then one bloke went, I think we should. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. But not straight away. Let's just give it a little pause while we think about it. That's the fascinating thing about doing gigs in in America. Love and applause. In England, no, not so much. (laughs) You've only got to basically state the the truth to get a round of applause in America, isn't it? I'm from Britain, and you just get a round of applause for <laughs> My that. My favourite is when you see an American comedy go, so I've been married now for about 20 years, and the crowd like, ah. But do you imagine that in England? Have you? Well, yeah. <laughs> you better have some stories about how much you hate each other, because we're English. We'd come to this dark room to hear yeah. about misery, not joy. Yeah. <laughs> so you were travelling around America with yeah. your mum. Uh-huh. Um, how, how was that? Was, that was, she, was she desperately trying to hog, hog the camera? Was she looking for the spin-off series without you? Was, uh, oh, or was, yeah. it, was it good fun? It was amazing, actually. It was just kind of... I got asked to do, like, a travel show, and my mum is she's a really lovely, sweet, very funny lady, and we'd, it was sort of a Christmas. We were chatting about what, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? My mum's like, how old's mum now? 58. And she genuinely said the most depressing thing I've ever heard a human being say. She genuinely went, I, all I want to do really is be in an old folks' home where they don't hit you. <laughs> and, and it was so bleak that I kind of thought... I Aspiration ha- I know, I know. And I was just like... And I said, if I could... Like, so I thought, the least I can do is take her around the world so she's got memories in between the beatings. Um, so, so that was it. it, it genuinely, it, it came about from thinking, like, Comedy Central asked me to do this thing, and I thought, oh, it'd be good to do it with Mum. Basically, as a way of cementing my position as number one son. Yeah. And, and it just turned out to be a funny show. And, and now you've got back, when you're discussing around the dining room table, is yes. your dad there going, oh, thanks for taking me, Russell? Well, no, well, my dad's insane, so... Like, <laughs> but my da- if me and Dad did here, would it be just two blokes who look exactly the same, sat in silence... <laughs> my dad isn't a silly person. My mum's really daft. So it's kind of, you know, it was quite nice hanging and around with her. Having watched the first couple of episodes, there was a certain amount of uh, Americans confusing your relationship at times. Yeah, uh, yeah. Some, some seeing your mum as a bit of a cougar. Yes. No, they, they thought we were a couple. Yeah. <laughs> she played up to that. We, <laughs> we, I was waiting for her at breakfast one, one morning and... Uh, she came in and she knew that she knew that I was sort of looking at her and she knew that everyone in the hotel thought we were a couple. She was like, Mr. and Mrs. Howard. And my mum's like, oh my God, what a night. Morning, husband. Like that. <laughs> and, it was like, yeah. and she told one of the waiters I was a male prostitute that she got cheap because my eyes were lazy. So... <laughs> That didn't, that didn't make the edit. From your own mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. But, you know, it was just... We have a very, you know... We, um, I don't know. It's, it's always been the same way. We have a very sort of daft relationship. I can be myself around my mum and my family, so it's quite nice, really. And John Oliver, 
did loads of uh, the early Mock the Weeks. Yeah. Brilliant to see him go over to America yeah. and getting slagged off by Donald Trump on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Doing some great stuff out there. You've been out to visit John in... Yes, I'm friends with John, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, weirdly, John stayed at my house. I used to support him when we used to do university gigs together when I was young. And yeah, he stayed around mum and dad's house, actually. So he's, he's met my mum and mum was shouting him because he had some sandals. She's like, who are you, fucking Jesus? <laughs> and John was just looking at me going, it's all true. It's all true. She's exactly like you said she was. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And it's really interesting with John because I used to hang out, me, John and Daniel Kitson and... That was kind of our little group, and I was very much the Padawan of the uh, of the group. Um, and I sort of knew that he was always going to do something like that. He's just so brilliant and so he's so prolific. That's the thing about John. It's kind of like that. Whenever we used to do gigs when we were kids, he'd always have new material, he'd always have topical stuff, and so it kind of makes sense. And what have you made of the Saturday Night Live, the Trump impressions? Oh, that... they're brilliant, aren't they? Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, you know, obviously satire in some ways it often only. China. It, well, it sort of works, you know, mostly to the already converted. Yeah, that's it? true. Yeah, but presumably the the ultimate is stuff that makes people laugh and think. Uh-huh. Very tough to do, especially for blokes multitasking, laughing and thinking. Not an easy thing. And also, as a comedian, in some ways, the, the last thing you want is an audience who are thinking. You know, did you get many laughs tonight? No, but I got loads of. Mm. <laughs> but it's nice to get a bit of both. Like you sort of think of one of the sort of all-time great. Like Chris Rock's routine about, you know, bullets should cost more money. It's a really brilliantly funny bit, but it also is like, that's actually quite a good idea, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it can be done. You look at, like, lots of Bill Hicks's stuff, lots of Richard Pryor stuff, you know, like, especially over kind of an hour and a half, you know, people like thinking. I noticed you, you said in one interview that you had a couple of political parties, we won't ask any names, who asked you how to get young people more involved with politics. Yeah. Surely one of the best ways of getting young people more involved with politics is to give the vote to 16 and 17-year-olds. Outrageous that you can join the army, that you can get married, but that you can't vote. And the reason they give is that, oh, they might not know too much about the issues, but you're thinking, okay, they may not know that much about the EU, but then that doesn't, that's not just confined to 16 and 17-year-olds, given that the day after the vote for the referendum, the most Googled phrase was, what is the EU? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a more interesting variant of that, which is that over 75 should be debarred from voting. I tried that out on an audience, actually, in the referendum campaign, and I, I did escape with my life, because they were mostly older than me. Uh, but you could have taken you know, them, if we're going to stop people voting, because they're not fully formed upstairs, then you have to look at the other end of the edge region. Mm. For driving, don't you? You have, to retake, you have to retake your test age 75, don't you? Mm. So maybe we could, we could <laughs> fathom some way of getting people to re-vote after <laughs> age 75. I haven't thought this through, Vince, but I'm <laughs> off, off, the, off the top of my head. But it's but a good I, point you make, though. You know, I think kids are a lot more kind of interested in the world than they were certainly when I was when I was 16. You know, I just was just sat on walls thinking. <laughs> so that's pretty much all I did as a kid, just waiting for someone to pick me up from football. <laughs> and you were probably the same. It's a different world, wasn't it? The hours we spent playing recorder. Have we ever needed it? No. <laughs> now they're on Google. We were just thick. But you yourself have got involved with a lot of things. A lot of the charities are often go turn up and do a charity do, and they said, oh, yeah, we had... We had Russell here yeah. last year or whatever. But you've also been uh, encouraging people to do this. Let's have a, have a little listen to this tape. 
Hello, I'm Russell Howard. Thanks for calling. Your call's in a queue and will be answered shortly. But while you're waiting, consider this. Some people have been waiting for an organ transplant for years due to a lack of donors. So please, sign up now at organdonation.nhs.uk. It takes just two minutes to do, and who knows, one day you could save or improve up to nine lives. Thanks for your time. Now, we always at the Selective Session Group, we try and get people to do something in between the shows. So... A brilliant thing to get involved with. I was going to dish out donor cards to all the audience. They apparently don't do it like that anymore. You actually, you go up online, you sign up on the register. And I'm guessing you, when you were asked to do that, was there a little bit of you were thinking, because you can be on hold to the NHS <laughs> for a hell of a long time. Well, why didn't bloody Russell Howard answer the bloody phone? Imagine if I rang up NHS Direct and it was me. <laughs> but also, there was a little bit of me when I was listening to that tape and I was thinking... Well, I could only improve nine lives. I reckon I could improve more than nine. I was gradually thinking of bits of my body that I could donate to medical science, try and get ten off the list. You know, obviously, it sounds like I could donate my beard because Vince doesn't like it very much. I feel very privileged to do a job that I love. And uh, one, of the, one of the great things about it is that, and you're the same, we get to do benefit gigs, which are amazing, because basically you just do a gig, make people laugh, raise loads of money for charities. It's fantastic. And I also do lots of other stuff where, like I did a cycle ride, I did a 100k bike ride for Copperfield. Brutal. Ah, oh, fuck that. It's awful. Are you into cycling? Why? What, what What's you the think, point? If what you're you into think? cycling, just do that for six hours and then shove a broom up your ass. Because that's all it is. I was looking at roadkill thinking, I'd love to be that. But, and we're now all but at the end you... of it, raise money. So it's fine. We're now all thinking of you going, going into an A&E with a broomstick up your ass. <laughs> going, oh, well, I could have done cycling, but this was a much better alternative. <laughs> what happened, mate? Stay out of locker rooms? <laughs> um, but, you know, but you're, you know what I mean? You're the same. It's just, just it's a nice part of, of our job. It is a great it? thing to do. Um, please sign up, organdonation.nhs.uk, if you haven't done so. We will have time for questions in a moment. Just before you do that, whilst you're thinking of your questions in the audience, the... Uh, let you know what's coming up. We meet on the last Monday of the month. The next one we've got, November the 28th, Chukaramuna is coming along. He'll be here with the Mirror columnist, Fleet Street Fox, and Henning Vane as well. And for our Christmas show, we have got on December the 19th, Dr Sarah Wollaston MP, the Totnes MP, who was elected to Conservative, voted through by Open Primary. We've also got Michael White from The Guardian will be along. And uh, we have a very special guest who I'll be announcing in the next couple of weeks, andyparsons.co.uk it's also the, the website to go is to is it Santa? Is it? <laughs> it's a Christmas show he's not show, confirmed mate. yet this is why I didn't want to stay he stra- better not send one of his elves <laughs> hands up whoever's got a question for our three panellists I can see a gentleman at the back there it's Chris it's clear that politics and reality TV are linked at the moment we've got Trump we've had Nadine Dorries um, Vince you did a, a Christmas special of Strictly yep. and now we've got Ed Balls um, so which is most likely, do we think? Trump for president, uh, Ed Balls to win Strictly, or Vince to replace Len Goodman? Uh, well, that's, that's a serious proposition. I got 10 out of 10 from Len, actually. It's the t- top of my CV. Uh, Ed could win, actually. I mean, he can't dance, but he's entertaining, and that's what's required to get the public vote. You coached him for, 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 one, for one episode. I did, yeah. What, what, it, it's all about posture, you know. You've got to... Stand up straight and keep your, your neck stretched. And I gave him a lesson on that. Well, and Vince uh, was telling us backstage that you were off to do the All England Championships in Blackpool, is That's that right? That's right, yeah. The, even very geriatric people like me are allowed to compete. So we have an event for the over-60s, and uh, 
I've got a very good professional partner, age 23, I think. And, uh, <laughs> that sounds like cheating to me. Yeah. I'm going to be competing in the Foxtrot and the Rumba. Very nice. Get yourself up to Blackpool. Any other questions? There I was, expecting my team to be brilliant, and the only question we've got, is he going to be the head judge after Len Goodman? Well, I've got some questions, if you haven't, anyway. So we'll just end with it with a couple of things. I mean, Boris Johnson, there's been some comparisons with him with Donald Trump. Presumably as Foreign Secretary, it's been... It is a weird situation to have him as Foreign Secretary. Possibly the best thing we could hope for is he goes on a trip to America. He was actually born in America. He is eligible to become President of the United States of America. That would be a, a fine scenario, would it not? I think it's a bit different from Trump, isn't it? I mean, I mean Trump... You know, he's obnoxious, but you know where he's coming from on most stuff. Whereas we've got the biggest issue in our lifetime, and Boris flips a coin to decide whether he's in favour of it or against it. That's a different approach to politics. I'm not sure it's more refreshing, but it's very different. It, it certainly, if you weren't sure of your own opinion and you write an article to decide which way to go, probably you then shouldn't be the front campaigner for the leave argument. Yeah. Absolutely right, yeah, yeah. Not so good that I got a round of applause on it, though, Vince. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's my card. And what a way to end, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Begging the audience for a round of applause. <laughs> so, Stuart, many thanks for everybody coming along tonight. For those people who are listening on the podcast, then please subscribe. It keeps us free. If, if you're listening now, do it now. We'll wait for you. Lovely, thanks for that. So, please spread the word. Please let everybody know that it's going on, the Slacktivist Action Group. If a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing, we are lethal. Obviously, Vince thinks that Trump... We will know whether Trump has, in fact, won uh, by the time we have our next one. We hope that's not the case. We may all be uh, trying to find another planet to live on if that man with the tiny hands is President of the United States of America. It, It could be a total disaster, couldn't it? One of the reasons he has got a massive ego tiny hands on your penis, it makes his cock look bigger, doesn't it? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, would you please give it up for our panel tonight? Mr Vince Cable, Hadley Freeman, Russell Howard. Thank you very much for coming. See you next time.